0: Psalm 73 introduces us to the concept of theodicy. Theodicy is the question that if God is good and loves when people do good, then why are the bad guys the only ones getting ahead in life? We would expect that God would bless only the ones who please Him and curse the wicked. As verse 1 of Psalm 73 asserts, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as we've seen in many of the sadder Psalms, it's often the good guy who's on the run from the wicked. Psalm 73 is written by Asaph, a musician we know little about, and it's his struggle with this observation. Asaph, he can assert that God is good, but when he looks around him, he almost loses that conviction. He observes the wicked, and that they're arrogant. They have no worries about losing their position that they believe they've earned themselves. They're rich and fat. In a time when famine and drought could devastate a community, these guys are still living large. And nothing ever seems to trouble these guys. They aren't oppressed or troubled in any way, and they can look out for, at the suffering of others from all their security and not be bothered at all. And since they seem to get away with anything and everything, they begin to boast and speak out against heaven. God obviously isn't interested in their evil or powerful enough to stop it, they think. So in verse 9, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. When the wicked prosper, they see no reason to follow God. They've come to the conclusion that God isn't as all-knowing as they've been taught. In verse 11, they boast, how can God know? Is their knowledge in the Most High? Their blasphemy against God is their boast of getting away with it all. They've outsmarted God, outmaneuvered Him. They have all the advantages of a life that breaks the rules and without any of God's interruptions and punishments. They've discovered that there's no reason to be good when you can get away with being evil. And they're not the only ones who see this. In verse 10, therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. The people can see the results of these wicked lives and they only think they must be doing something right for all those good things to happen to them. The wicked not only escape the judgment of God, but of their own communities as well. They've gotten away with it in every imaginable way. Asaph, he also sees the wicked prospering and when he compares it to his own life, he can only ask in verse 13 through 14, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. What's the point of being good if all you get is bad results? Why not be bad if it gives you the good life? Asaph looks at his life and can only wonder why he spent all those years trying to be righteous. But even though these thoughts come into his mind, He refuses to admit that it's the absolute truth, saying in verse 15, If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Asaph isn't going to be led astray by the deceit of sin, nor is he going to lead others to it either. He's committed to a sense of God's justice, and that it is right to be right with God. But even though Asaph has come to this conclusion, he admits that he doesn't know really how he got there. In verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Asaph wants to be good, but he can't figure out why it pays so well to be evil. That is, until verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Asaph begins to look at life with an eternal God in mind. While it might seem that the wicked are getting away with everything, and might even do it to their entire lives, Their end is still disaster. They're in a slippery place destined for ruin. They're swept away in a moment of terror and they're no more harmful than a bad dream. When we see people whose wickedness have only resulted in profit, we need to remember that the sum of their decisions hasn't yet reached the climax. Breaking the rules can get you some short-term fun, which from our perspective seems far too long. But living with the consciousness of God is always remembering that we're working for something far better than a cush life in the here and now. We need to always maintain that larger perspective that shows us that the end of the wicked is still a long ways off and far worse than what we go through right now. Asaph, he sees something much brighter down the road for those who follow God. He says in verse 26 that my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There aren't many passages in the Old Testament that speak of what kind of hope we have after death. But this is one of them. Asaph knows that one day, his flesh and his heart are going to fail. But that even in death, he's still with God forever. That's the long-term picture we need to have with God. When we look at the wicked prospering and the good suffering, we're only looking at a small slice of life. When we suffer and see evil prosper, our faith in God is always going to tell us that all of that is temporary. The real consequences and the real rewards have yet to be seen.